Well, welcome to season two of Real Talk about real estate, realtors and real stuff. I have to always pause because I can never quite remember what our title is, but this is our second season. Yay! We should have some champagne. I know. That would make this easier, huh? That would be fun. Um, (laughs) Maybe we'll do it on the next episode. Okay, so today we are going to talk about myths about the real estate market. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some out there. There's a lot out there. Yeah, I mean, it's not as juicy as like Travis, Kelsey, and what's her name? Yeah, Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) But... Forgets I my mean, name, forgets Taylor Swift's name. But the myths about the real no estate market, that's you. some good stuff. <laughs> I know, I don't even need champagne. Right. All right, so uh, the number one myth. Do you want to start? Like yeah, that, okay, sure, yes. Okay, the number, not number one, the first out myth. Out of three. Out of three. We have mm-hmm. three myths. Mm-hmm. The first one that we wanted to touch on is foreclosures are increasing. That's a headline, right? That's a big headline that foreclosures have gone up. Yep. dramatically in the last two years <laughs> yeah since since 2021 yeah so what do we need to be thinking critically about when we read that headline we need to think about the fact that there was a moratorium mm-hmm. on foreclosures uh for mm, like two years yeah so they may be increased from all-time low like zero zero percent yeah I mean of course they're going to increase they weren't foreclosing I mean there were some foreclosures but if you look at this graph back in 2003 goes back 10 years there were roughly 200,000 foreclosures and that's when we were in a pretty hot market yeah now 20 years later this graph looks like we're at about 30,000 foreclosures it's still so low so that's just a classic example of a headline that's really grabby and catchy and scary. But when you think about it, it's really, it doesn't mean that there's a bunch of foreclosures that are going to come to market and be available like there was in 0809. It's just, it's literally not happening. The data isn't there for it. Right. And if you're starting from zero, there's only one way to go and that's up. So of mm-hmm. course it's going to increase. All right. You want to talk about myth number dos? Dos is Airbnbs are going to crash the real estate market. Yep. There are a lot of Airbnbs out there. Yeah. I mean, at one time, I think there were, at least this is what I've been told. I don't know the actual stats, but there were about 80 in Chico and now there's over 600. Yeah. That's (laughs) crazy for our small town. That's not a destination or anything like that. Yeah. That's quite a bit. So for Airbnbs crashing, like where... Where does that even come from? Like, that's another scary headline. What they're basically, these two myths are saying is we're going to be flooded with inventory. That's what the scary part is. If we have too much inventory, then house prices are going to go down or house prices are going to crash. So we have a lot of data saying why that's not going to happen. And there's, we could probably list off seven different reasons why we're not going to see a flood of inventory enough to the point where it's going to crash the market. But why is this Airbnb thing so popular and sticking out well it's probably along the lines of and i did hear why i just this is my guess yeah i I can't remember when i was listening to a podcast why they thought this was the case but if everybody starts selling their airbnbs because they're going upside down in them but we're going to talk about some stuff about how people aren't upside down investors aren't upside down homeowners aren't upside down Mm -hmm. in their properties so yeah that one doesn't really make sense either why wouldn't they just turn around and 
put it as a long-term rental. Right. Versus when they, they'd make money. Get foreclosed it. on. And, and besides, they probably have a lot of equity. So yep. I don't think that that makes sense that it's going to flood the market. And then I was also listening to Casey on Keeping Current Matters and the, the fact that they talked about how New York restricted Airbnbs. There's so many restrictions that there's a lot fewer yeah. Airbnbs and those probably either they sold them or they turned them into long-term rentals. Yeah. But on the other extreme, so we all hate restrictions, yeah. right? I get mad because I have a couple Airbnbs and I'm like, these why are they trying to limit <laughs> us? But if you look at what they did in Arizona, they have no limits. Have as many as you want. Well, now there's a flood, like a big, There, it's just, there's a ton of Airbnbs. So now yep. they're sitting empty because they don't have the capacity or they don't have enough people coming to occupy them. So, you know, maybe just a happy medium would be good on the Airbnb. Yeah, that's kind of where we need to stay. You really have to make sure if you are, by, a side note, buying an Airbnb, that it will pencil as a long-term rental. As well. Yeah. I mean, ideally, the Airbnb makes more money and the long-term, like, that's the goal. That's why people do Airbnb over long-term rentals is because it's going to make more money. But you're right. Like, it needs the pencil as both because if you do need to change gears, because there's a restriction, like, in Lake Tahoe, all those people who had mm-hmm. Airbnbs um, in Tahoe Keys, where my family's rented for a long time, like, n- none of those people can rent now, or Airbnb. None of them. So they're either long-term renting and they don't get to use their vacation home anymore right. as a vacation home, or they just have to let it sit vacant and like kind of let their family and friends use it. They could do a 30 day rental. They could but. do midterm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, it's just tricky. Yeah. Airbnbs are tricky. They're definitely a lot less popular. I, during COVID market, we all had clients talking about Airbnbs mm-hmm. and we were kind of learning the numbers and the pros and cons. And now I have not heard anyone talk about buying a Airbnb in all year. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't pencil either because of rates right now. So there's that. Yeah, it just depends on where it's at. You yeah, and it depends on the down payment and stuff like that, like anything. But Okay. Um, so there is this fact here about sellers, and I believe it's relevant because we're talking about how Airbnbs are going to crash the market, yet there's still people who are keeping their homes to rent them out and whether that's Airbnb or renters. So it says this, this is a, a, I think it's a fun fact. I, th- I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Your idea of fun. Oh my I have a lot of fun facts, <laughs> but I know this is my idea of fun. Thank you. 59.8% of sellers would consider renting out their current home rather than sell it. So that's about six out of 10. And why is that? Because they don't owe a lot or they own it free and clear. Or interest rate. Well, their current interest rate is really low, so they don't want to let go of their rate. Yeah. No, that's actually why they would also be selling it, what I said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they might consider selling it. Right. And the reason they are going to keep it as a rental is because, well, that like 3% rate, it's like a pride thing too. It's like, I don't want to let, well, it's not pride. It's smart. Like, why would you let that go? No, it's a free money basically. So I think point being like, we're going to potentially see a lot more rentals in the future. They're also building apartments like crazy right now um, at a faster rate than ever before. I mean, in Chico, we just got approved for a huge apartment. I think it's 140 units on Eaton by my house. Mm -hmm. And as realtors, we know we need single family, affordable single families to purchase, but we're going to get these apartments. And so that could also affect rents. Maybe people will end up selling their home because maybe the rent's not covering the mortgage. I don't know. It'll be interesting how the next few years plays out yeah 
I think that if you have a 3% interest rate, probably can cover. Yeah, probably. The rent, it just depends on how much you put down, I suppose. It's all in the numbers. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. All right, can we move on to myth number three? Number three? Go for it. So um, I haven't heard a lot of this, but I've heard it a few times, but not not a lot. Have you? I heard it from one person in my comment section. <laughs> Someone commented? <laughs> On my Instagram. Okay. What's okay. the myth? Wall Street is buying up all the homes. There's nothing to buy because of Wall Street. I don't think in Chico we have no. like one person from Wall Street, unless they like live on Wall Street in downtown Chico. Yeah, right. Our own personal um, Wall Street. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, it's not true. Black Knight, Blackstone. What's that big investor yeah. company? Whatever. Black something. <laughs> that that person in my comments, sec- I think it was on TikTok, had said that the Black, I want to say Blackstone, I don't know, is buying up all these properties and there's just like this big boom coming with this one company. And at the end of the day, I don't think that one company would have that much control to affect the entire nationwide market. I could be wrong. And maybe that's the way we're, the direction that we're moving in. But there are statistics showing that most properties that are investment properties are owned by mom and pop. Most of them are not owned by Wall Street investors. I'm trying to pull up that exact number, but the majority was definitely people like us that have fewer than one to nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. It was one to nine. Mm -hmm. Then the next category was under a hundred and then there were in it. I have it here. So the amount of investors that own. So if you take a hundred percent, there's like, I think they had four or five different categories. 19.6% of investors own one to nine units. So you and I fall into that category compared to 2.7% own 10 to 99. And then it just goes down after that. Mm -hmm. So it's just the proof is in the data. (laughs) Yes. The the proof is in the pudding, I think is the same. I know. I changed it. Okay. So here's another interesting fact about people wanting to keep their homes and rent. 6% of sellers in Northern California, specifically, we have that info want to keep and rent their home instead of sell because of their interest rate. So more that that's the proof of more restricted housing is coming or more restrictions on inventory. Does that make sense? More restricted inventory maybe is what I'm looking for. Less inventory. (laughs) Because people aren't going to sell because they're just going to keep it because they have a low interest rate. Yeah. Mm. And they can use that potential rent on their debt to income for their next home. Right equity out of that mm-hmm. house but I don't know if they do that because then there's a high interest rate on that they could no it's interesting that's I wonder if they would really do it if it, right. if it came down to it just because of the rate if they had to move yeah I would rather have more cash to put down on my next house to make my payment lower because the interest rate's going to be high no that's why it's so important to talk to a lender way ahead of time and figure out mm-hmm. like what is is it better if I pull my equity out and use it towards the down payment? Or if you're buying a house that needs sixty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of work, like maybe you're buying a fixer upper on your dream street. Well, now you do need that cash because right. you got to fix it up. Unless you have it in the bank. Unless you have it in the bank or borrow it from. Can family. I tell you another fun fact? Why we're on fun? Yes, I love that. <laughs> what is it? For seventy percent of mortgages are less than four percent. Ooh. So that's goes hand in hand with what you just said Mm -hmm. the average u.s homeowner has two hundred and ninety four thousand dollars in equity that seems really high that 
Would you like to silence your cell phone? <laughs> It's not my fault. Spit out your gum and silence yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We're in class. I'm in a lot of trouble with, uh, today on this podcast from a millennial. Uh, Jeez. Um, and so what were you going to say? <laughs> um, so this goes back to the foreclosure, the point about no, basically zero foreclosures because people have so much equity. Exactly. $294,000 in their home that they can just sell most likely at a profit. I mean, they'd at least break even, if not make a profit. Unless and you bought in the last year or two, two years now. Another fun fact that we've mentioned before is that 38.7% have mortgages that are owned free and clear. Mm. And 30% have equity higher than 50%. Crazy. Like there's very few people on this graph, this pie chart. It's a sliver that have negative equity. Yeah. It's and those are mostly people that bought in 2022. So this is when I heard you talking on the phone the other day to somebody that was on the website or whatever. And they were just like, oh, we're just going to wait for interest rates to go down. No. why? Yeah. Are, and, and you said, well, that's probably going to happen maybe in a year. Late next year. Yeah, nobody yeah. really knows. Rather than trying to educate them because people, do, you know, you're going to get into like a back and forth argument on yeah. that, right? So yeah. you're just kind of like, let them do their thing and, yeah. and think these things. But if they were to invest now, let's say it goes up 4%, they just wasted all that rent money. Mm -hmm. And then the value of the home goes up 4% in the year that they've had it. No, I just look at some of these um, people that are bad advice, I guess I should yeah. say, and say, and, and have the money. And if it's the right time, you should do it. If you don't have the money and you can't afford it, then don't do it. But just like any time. Don't wait. Yeah. There's never a good time. No. There's, I mean, I mean. There's that, never a, a, there's never, there's no, never going to be the perfect time. There's never the perfect, because you can't time the market. You can't time the market. But then there's never a bad time. If you look at any 10 year span in history, prices have always gone up. The values mm -hmm. of homes have always gone up in any 10 year chunk of time. So if you can buy the home and it's a home you're going to be able to be in for five to 10 years, you'll be solid. Even, yeah. Even if you bought at the highest peak of the market in that 10 years. Yep. Like you. Well, look at 2007. Right. Mm -hmm. I would say two, what, 2005 to 2007 was the peak mm -hmm. and then it crashed and everyone freaked out. Mm -hmm. And those who some people lost their homes, but people who held on like my parents, you know, they made it through because they were teachers. They had sold income. They were like, well, obviously we're not going to sell, held on to it. And then look at 2018 compared to when they would have bought in or even 2017 compared to 2007. Mm hmm. Right. How much money did they make? Right. Hundreds of thousands They're of gonna dollars. They're going to live somewhere anyway. Yeah. I feel like we say this a lot, but it's just so much the truth. It's such a truth. Such, and, and it such goes back truth. to making sure you can afford it, though, as yeah. long as it's in your budget. Like I said, my parents had the steady income, so that can be important, right. too. Like, if your income is more variable or goes with the market like realtors, then it could be a little bit of a different situation. But Yeah, if you're both in real estate or yeah. kind of in an industry, then... Um, just a, a last little, at least for me, the empty nesters dominate home sellers. So mm -hmm. that means that people Another that fun have fact. no kids. Fun fact number 10,000 <laughs> is that <laughs> people with no kids in the home are moving, yep. downsizing or moving closer to be closer to their grandkids. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I remember us talking about, I want to say earlier this year, maybe last year that millennials were the ones moving the market. And I think that shifted in the last few months because mm -hmm. now I'm hearing more from economists that the empty net, like the gen, um, well, I guess it'd be boomers and maybe gen Xers. 
I think mostly boomers are the ones moving I'm the market X, right? right now. You're an X. I always forget what I am. You're X. So, yeah. So we're older, so we have a little more equity, too. Yeah. So we're able to make moves versus younger yes. people that haven't been in the real estate market as long or own their home as and long. And they make more money, typically. Make more money. And they're save not. Money. Yep. Save more money, have more equity, and they're not as nervous about interest rates because they've been there, done that. And they usually have a reason to move. Like they need to downsize. They need to move towards their children. They need to move closer to a hospital. You know, like there's more mm -hmm. necessity there. Yep. In fact, the empty nesters dominate so much. It's 77% of home sellers are empty nesters. So that would be That's huge baby boomer. I mean, you're like, yeah. you would barely make that cutoff. Cause I think like hey, if you, it? if you had kids, <laughs> you'd probably be an empty nester by now, yes. but just barely. That's true. So like your kids would be like 18, 20, you know, of course they'd probably be like 30. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe well, if, I started, I guess it if I started young <laughs> when you had kids. Okay. So you're, you uh, are in that category. Yeah. I was trying to Damn save it. face, <laughs> but you know, I'm, yeah. an, I'm not an empty nester because I have cocoa and ginger. Yeah. You got your puppies, but <laughs> Hey, millennials are buying houses for their dogs because they want their dogs to have a yard. Aww. So you're an honorary millennial. Okay. I'm both. <laughs> All right. Uh, Do you want one more fun fact? I, I so want one. <laughs> Don't you, Jessica? <laughs> how did how did our three myths turn into just a list of fun facts? <laughs> okay. For the first time in seven years, we have an uptick of inventory nationwide. This is not Chico local. This is nationwide. This last month, instead of a seasonal decrease. So in the summer... If you look at a graph, we usually see a little bit of a decrease mm -hmm. in inventory. People are at Disneyland, school's yep. starting, it's hot, they don't want to move. But this year we saw an increase. Right. I know I think that's because they're over the sticker shock of the interest rates and people are just starting to get used to it. Mm. It's been a slow year, right? We're down yes. Chico is down 30% in the number of sales yep. uh from last year. Yep. That's a that's a big number. That's a lot fewer homes that are selling, but prices have maintained yeah so um it, and or now they're really they're still sort of increasing they are i mean yep. i just talked to somebody on the phone a half hour ago she was like i bought my house in 2020 we want to sell it it's not the right house but mm. i don't want to i don't want to lose money i'm looked at her house and looked at the details and i'm like you're, you i i think she could make a little money or break even and yeah. usually you cannot do that owning a home in, in just a two three year two period. three years yeah so. we saw that a lot between 2017 2018 especially here locally with the fire like if you had bought before the fire and then you sold during covid oh my gosh you made money in three year span yeah. it's, it's just most of the time i've been in real estate has been wild right. <laughs> and now don't get us wrong there are some downturns in real estate yeah. but it's, it's kind of like the stock market as long as you don't sell it you just hang in there yeah. and you can make the payment you just keep it's an investment it's a long-term investment. It's a long-term investment, yep. and you have to live somewhere. Are we done with fun facts? Or I think that one? was it. I was kind of looking at the date on on our new listing inventory in Chico. Mm -hmm. We went uh, down a little bit from June to July, and then back up in August, and then back down in September. We yeah. were kind of like this. I think what we're seeing, though, is we the inventory stays fairly steady, but the pendings go up. Yeah. We're just selling them more, come on, selling them more, come on, selling them more, come on. So it's just kind of a. Yeah. Our pendings are down in September 
looks like. Wait. So I think earlier in the year, though, we had like no. 50 pending. Now we're closer we to go. 100 pending. It's, so it's doubled. That was January, and that's that's a seasonal thing. And it was yeah. a market scary. Yeah, January thing. was like 51, and now we're at 76. Do you think we're rambling? I think so. Oh, okay. Courtney thinks it's interesting. Good. I feel like we're rambling. <laughs> okay, well, that was definitely a longer podcast. And thanks if you've made it this far. Hopefully it was good information and you learned something. Never a bad time to buy real estate, and that is not just because we sell it. Ask people that don't sell real estate. Well, I don't know about that. Ask, <laughs> so ask a real estate investor. Ask an investor. Ask someone who owns multiple properties. Ask somebody who has owned the same house for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. If you think you're buying at the height of the market, not. We're actually expecting another peak in the next two years. So You bought at the height of the market. Yeah, and my house didn't decrease in value. Right. So there we go. And I plan to be there for 10 years. And then at the next peak in the next two to three years, I'll be really excited that I bought in 2022. Hey signing off. There you have it. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs>